One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. Welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. I'm back live again. Sorry for the replay last week, but uh, uh, we had we had some guest issues and, and things like that, so we just ducked out to a replay. And then I went to Nashville and got a chance to visit some friends. So I'm, I'm recharged. Uh, finally got to get out of the house a little bit. Um, had a had an event uh, uh, that was planned that got canceled at the last second, but we were supposed to go see uh, John Maxwell and Steve Harvey uh, work together. Um, but uh, no no harm, no foul there. Also, uh, a lot of you were on the Virtual Resource Planning Summit with us yesterday. That was a fantastic event. Uh, but I'm still kind of, if I use the word hungover, it's not the hungover that you're thinking of. It's the hungover from when you speak all day and, and do an eight-hour event the next day. You're not talking so much. So, uh, but uh, fantastic event, a lot of great stuff. We had Barb Stegman on, uh, who's been on the show a couple of times, a founder of Seven Virtues. Our perfume, just an incredible story. If you haven't had a chance to go see a documentary called Perfume Wars, you need to go check it out. It's the story of Barb, how she started the company. Um, it was really started with a powerful friendship, and, and essentially they source materials directly from farmers in, in war-torn countries, so Afghanistan, Somalia, um, and just a, a phenomenally social conscious business that um, she's just an amazing person. So she was on with us. Um, we had our boy, Daryl Rivers, who was on with us, who just did that incredible conversation with us on this show about race and a uh, host of other people. But anyway, let's get into today's show. Really excited because uh, we're going to focus, you know, we talk about work-life balance. I've done a few episodes on work. Now it's time to start talking about life and that balance of mm -hmm. life. And so our person now uh, is an empowerment coach, an author, speaker, and she brings motivated women from around the world from power less to powerful in every single aspect of life. Her advice can be found in Forbes, Cosmopolitan, Insider, and Thrive Global, and her YouTube channel provides a wealth of knowledge around love and empowerment. And her new book, Power Love Dating, A, Women's, a Woman's Real World, <laughs> good gracious, Power <laughs> Love Dating, a Woman's Real World Guide to Empowered Love is now available on Amazon. She's got a master's degree in counseling psychology, and a professional background in psychotherapy, mind-body healing. It was formerly a personal development manager and program leader with Landmark Worldwide. The magic ingredient to all of her work is power love, which lives in between the extremes we too often find ourselves in, where powerful and loving overlap. So let's bring her on to the show, Michelle Baxo. How are you? Hi, I'm great. It's so good to be here. And so this new book, right? So Power Love Dating, I got a chance to read it, but just Talk about that for a moment. How did how did you come to that? And, and I also like to hear about the writing process. Like, it's not as simple as my. Oh yeah, I'm going to write a book. Okay, <laughs> but talk about that whole process. Yeah. Okay. Well, so my process writing this book was totally different than what I had envisioned writing a book looks like. So for a long time, I had done what many of us do, which is you know you sit down and you maybe write a table of contents and start writing, or you go to a cabin and lock yourself in there and you write this long book, and that was not happening for me at all. What I do is I speak, I coach, I share, I talk some more, I think some more, and that's my process. And I realized that over um, 
gosh, a number of years working intensively with specifically women on their journey of finding love. That was a focus I did for a period of time. <laughs> that combined with sharing a lot about my own journey, my own journey, which went from being a, a wreck in the love department. You wouldn't have known it if you knew me unless I told you about it, but my gosh, was it ever a wreck? And um, finding my way to lasting love with it actually empowering, healthy, hopefully lasting <laughs> relationship, right? So um, so taking all of that and realizing, oh my gosh, I've been writing my book for years actually, and it's in all these different places. It's in my in my stories, in my pod, or in my in podcasts that I've been on, it's in my my blogs, it's in my all kinds of places, my YouTube channel, and realized there was all of these things, and I started actually taking that, compiling it, and then from there wrote my book and and filled in all of the gaps and made it a lot more made it made sense to a reader. So totally different than I think what a lot of people expect book writing should look like. So I've got you pegged as a high I personality then, right? Is, a what, is sorry? High I personality in the disc profile. Is, I don't uh, know that. Tell me. I, um, so high empath, I... uh, high I is uh, we, we, we can be in front of anybody, but we're, we're profoundly very tough on ourselves internally. Mm. A lot of people think we have an ego because we can talk to anybody, but really there's lots of insecurities under the, under the scenes. And yeah. we need people to recharge, but we also need to have that time to ourselves to recharge. So you yes. love the big idea, but hate kind of the nitty gritty and details. Is that? That sounds that exactly like me. Yeah. You got me pegged right well, there. Well, it be, It's because I'm the same person. I'm yeah. high, <laughs> in writing my book. I also am an auditory thinker. So a lot of times I'll make connections on stage that never have been made before. Right. It's just something yeah. will come out of my mouth. And I just, mm. right then I'm like, remember that, remember, yes. go write that down. Go write that down. <laughs> Um, and so I ended up walking around my office and dictating yeah. to myself my book yeah. and then sitting down to write it, but basically tried to describe what I was trying to say to, to, to me so that yeah. I could sit down and, and find the words I wanted to in a book. So, uh, so that's good. A, why I pegged you that way. No, it's so good. I'll even do it now. So one of the ways with my, with my VIP clients, I Voxer with them, which is voice recording back and yeah. forth for anyone who's not familiar. And, and same thing, I'm writing my second book, Power Love Woman. And, um, and anytime there's a real gold nugget, I'm like, download that, transcribe that. Okay, <laughs> come on. I don't know where that came from. That was good. Um, Cause I do think there's something about and this, this will lead very nicely, I think, into our, what we're talking about today. So much gold, so much wisdom comes from the interaction. It comes, yep. it's not, you know, there, you know, it's not just from, you know, my brain knowing things. And yes, I have a lot of experience and sure there's all of that, but, but really it, it, it comes as much from the other as it does from me. And, and I, and so um, my, my working with clients and people in general and being connected and in these relationships is a huge part of being able to, you know, give what I have to give to the world. In fact, I, I have a measure of when I feel like I've made it. When it, So John Maxwell is one of my mentors and I get a chance to watch him do his thing often, mm. but he's got Aaron and Aaron's probably one of the most Im important people in his life because he'll literally stop himself on stage and look at Aaron and Aaron will give a little high sign going, yes, I heard you. Yes, it was awesome. And I already wrote it down for you. So she <laughs> literally just follows him around 
as yes. he's in all the conversations and on stage. And, and, and I remember one time he was talking to kind of an inner circle. So he yeah. literally just stopped and he's like, no, 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 Eric, just catch, just ride with me for a second, catch this. And he started to pull a full idea out. Yeah. And we watched him got, get a chance to craft that. And I was like, that's awesome. when I know I've made it is if I can have an Aaron. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about power love. What, I yes. mean, what a great just or love. It just gives you kind of that, that, that feeling. Where, how did you come up with that? And where does that yeah. come from? I can definitely tell you. So when I was, so when I went from, so my background was I was a psychotherapist, left that to work extensively with a personal development company and then left that to go back to building something on my own, but I wanted to be online virtual. I just didn't want that office. I didn't want to be constricted in an office <laughs> basically. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's how I got into online, you know, coaching and, um, and the work that I do. And so when I was doing that, I wanted to pick a particular area that I could focus on. Really smart way to start an online business is you pick a particular niche, so to speak, right? And someone very wise said to me, well, what's your, because I'd worked with people in all kinds of different areas. So they said, look, for your first program, for your first sort of message out to the world and difference that you want to make, what's your favorite personal transformation? And for me, I, there's been a lot that I had, you know, I'm surrounded by incredible coaches and thought leaders. There've been a lot of things that I had transformed in my life, but the one that took me the longest <laughs> was my love life. But when I, so, so that was why I decided to focus on that for a few years. And, and that is what I had done. I do, I, I'm back to serving all kinds of different things, but, um, and so when I was doing it, what I was dealing with in myself was, ugh, but I'm not a dating coach. I'm not that person that's going to say, this is how you should do your hair, or this is the best way to text someone, or this is the, I'm, that's not that, me. That's very superficial too. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, for the uh, most yeah. part, that industry, yeah. Yeah. And, and I shouldn't, I want to say though, a disclaimer, there's not some, I know some incredible people that call themselves a dating coach, but really what they do is so much deeper than that. Sure, there are people sure. like that. And I can name off. I can name and there's all. probably some phenomenal dating coaches totally. but on a whole. If you're going to peg but it the, one way or the other, but yeah. what bugged me, I was like, Oh, I can't. And so I had called myself a love coach for a long time that I could wrap my head around because there was, there's like so much, including love for yourself, love for life, love for like what I really stand for is, um, you know, as people being able to live, like live a life they love while loving themselves and the people around them. I mean, what else is there to life really? Right. So that I could stand by. And I knew the work that I wanted to do was deeper, but what I dealt with in my personal journey was feeling, having this experience, like the more um, self-aware I become, the more what I felt emotionally mature I became, the harder it seemed to find a partner that it would work with. I didn't want what, not, not to judge what other people had, but I didn't necessarily want what a lot of people that I knew had. It wasn't like I just wanted someone to, to share a life with and build that, you know, nuclear family with or whatever it was. It, that, that's, that wasn't me. Something very important to me as I, you know, grew and like grew as a human being was this sense of empowerment, this sense of personal power, knowing who I am and being able to express that in my life confidently. That became very important to me, but it seemed like it was at the expense of love and this kind of relationship. I could have lovers. I could have all, you know, and say, yeah, no, I'm good. I have my career and I have these, you know, attract, you know, I can have a lover on the side and 
that sort of felt empowering, but it wasn't actually what I really wanted. What I really wanted was to be that whole human being that I had finally discovered myself to be and have a true partner to co-create and to continually create a life with. And so that is how, and so for me, I was like, well, I want power and love, power love. <laughs> so that's how it first came to be. Then it's evolved into being a more than just about a relationship, like how we can power love ourselves, power love with money, power love in our career. Like, so really it's turned into a paradigm um, for that overlap that you mentioned earlier, where, where, where being powerful and loving overlap. And so I want to dive into the word empowerment for a second, mm -hmm. because I feel like it's something, I think it's gotten used so poorly for so long that mm -hmm. now it, it almost has a negative context. Like almost every coach is, I'm going to empower you. I, I saw a software company that was using, you know, empower your team mm -hmm. by using our, and, and the software had nothing to do with empowering the team. It was about right. the team giving me information so I can make decisions. I was like, that's yeah. really poor choice of words on that. Uh, how do we, I mean, what is your take on that? You, you use the word, it, it's often in, in, in the book and in, yeah. in your materials. Yeah. Talk to me about what you can do to help change the perception of the word. Uh, well, here's what I can tell you. Is you're, I agree with you. A lot of people are using it and it's not empowerment at all. In fact, one of the things that makes me so angry about um, the online coaching industry and sometimes even personal development as a whole. But I, again, I want to say that because not everybody's doing this, but is where we're, where, and this is because it's what sells. What sells is the answer. What yep. sells is here is a pathway to go from here to here. I'm going to tell you exactly how to run a business. I'm going to tell you exactly how to be confident. If you follow these steps, you will guaranteed have this result, right? And that is feeding into a very um, disadvantageous part of the human condition where sure. we just want the answer that we can default into <laughs> um, so that we can take our hands off the wheel for a while and, and, and not worry about the result that we want. Right. So, so I've still very, even, even when I was focused on supporting with people with love, it's like, okay, there is work to be done, but I am not going to stand here and, and, and be in charge of your life. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. It one, it's not, I, I just don't believe in it. And two, it doesn't serve the other person. So to me, empowerment is actually discovering how powerful you really are and how, and, and like what it really means to navigate the realities of yourself and the realities of the circumstances around you so that you can one, be way more likely to achieve the things that you want and do it yourself. And two, so that you're not waiting for that result to be happy, that you can actually feel good when you're climbing that freaking mountain. Maybe sure. not you know, like the kind of good where you feel good about it, not necessarily that like it feels good, right? Right. Uh, good that you just went and worked out. And, and yeah. so you're tired and you're exhausted, but it's a great feeling, Versus right? Versus like someone tell me what pill I can take so that I can eat whatever I want and right. not get fat, <laughs> you know? And so, there's a lot of the versions of that. Oh, out yeah. Like, Multi-billion like, dollar industry right there. Totally. The, the quick pill. The quick pill. None yeah. of them are. 
None of them work because I tried them all. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe if I just eat better and exercise, I'll lose weight. It's maybe amazing. If I take responsibility for my life <laughs> and honor myself, you get it right. But it's like, and that's sometimes more obvious with weight, less obvious when it comes to things like, like our businesses, like yeah. our, like relationships, like our marriage, like parenting. And I'm not saying not to use experts. There's a lot of wisdom. We should never give away that power to someone though. So the, one of the most impactful things for me uh, in, in coaching, I, I never really wanted to be a coach. And, and through the John Maxwell program, you become a speaker, a coach, and a trainer. And mm-hmm. so you have to kind of uh, attend these these different sessions. I go to this coaching session, and I have a, a really poor uh, understanding of what a coach does. So I'm, I'm very – I'm like, dude, I – I'm going because I have to. I have no interest in this. Christian Simpson, who's now one of my coaches, um, got on stage and, and he did a quick thing to, and he said, I want you to work with a partner and you guys are going to juggle. And of course, me and my partner, we never juggled and we start figuring it out. And he was watching our behavior and I was trying to tell the guy how to juggle like I'm some circus clown. And he hits us with a line that changed my life forever. He said, when you give somebody the answer, you rob them of a lifetime of learning. Mm. And that was so, and I realized what a directive leader I had been. Um, I, I would be upset because I couldn't go on vacation because, right. And it was, it was that fact that I wasn't really, and again, I'm going to use the word empowering my team to make decisions. I was yeah. training them to ask me. All right, so we're going to take a break right there. We're going to come back, get more into Power Love. And I really want to start getting into some some things uh, in relationships. Uh, specifically, let's talk about uh, fear. Uh, fear of leaving, fear of uh, standing up for yourself, or, or fear of change is even a, a better way to say it. So we'll do that right on the other side of the break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. 
To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance on this Friday afternoon. We're visiting with Michelle back. So Michelle, you know, we didn't say your company though. What you own your own firm? I, well, I own my own, my own business. Um, so power love woman is, uh, is the, is the, is the name of the game over here, but yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And so, and, and we're talking about power love and, and mm-hmm. so let, let's get into some of the particulars and, and I'm doing this purely of a selfish nature since, uh, uh, I just left a a, a 24 year marriage um, earlier this year, right before COVID, which was fantastic timing. If I could just throw that out, um, but <laughs> um, but still, there, you know, for for me, I haven't really looked back, but, but I feel like I probably stayed five years too late. I had kids involved, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing was the fear of the reaction, yeah. right? So I I think we when we we get into a partnership that long, we start the way other people perceive us becomes our truth mm-hmm. versus wrecking. And when you have somebody who can be very manipulative or very uh, toxic to that uh, piece, right. Shoots down any of your ideas, doesn't really want to see you exceed in anything. Um, talk about that fear in, in what you kind of have to, what, what's the best way to approach it? I'm going to leave it open. And just yeah. Well, and it's interesting what you were talking about there, the, the idea Okay. I'm going to make it seem a little bit trivial for a second, but we're we're going to get deeper into it. But a lot of the times anticipation is, is where the fear and suffering lives. So if we relate to it, even like going to the gym, usually once we're at or any class or anything, like once we're there, we get into it. It's great. We feel good afterwards. Right. But you know, that time when you're like, should I, shouldn't I, you know, after dinner, when you're feeling heavy. (laughs) (laughs) When I rolled out of bed going, should I hit that snooze or should I Oh, do I want to? It's, it's, it's the back and forth. It's the, it's the anticipation, the questioning, the wavering. That is where not like just fear, but just suffer a lot of suffering lives. Um, you know, I was sharing about this with one of my clients recently too, um, around a million years ago, I was a smoker. It's hard to even believe that that was who I was. Cause it's, well, cause it was another life ago. And I had, I had quit many times, started up again, quit, started up again. And the easiest and most effective way I ever quit was saying, I am never going to put a cigarette to my mouth ever again for the rest of my life. And that kind of certainty gave me so much power in dealing with cravings. Now I'm sharing that because you're talking about fear around leaving a relationship, for example, right? Like an unhealthy or just unworkable relationship. And, you know, I'm the last person that will ever say, yeah, if if it's not comfortable, cut and run. I think for, for any of us, you know, particularly if you've made a, you know, true commitment to somebody, the honorable thing to do is to give it an honest go. Right. And so, and there's different ways to do that. I think we all know what that is, those things are. And it's for each person to decide, you know, when that's, that comes to when, when enough's enough, right. When it's really not going to change, when it really just doesn't work. And when we've made that decision, that's where we need to be really clear with ourselves because I think part of what we're afraid, yeah, is the reaction, which the anticipation, the unknown, what is it? 
what am I going to have to deal with? There's that. But then there's also this fear of, is it going to cause me to waver? What if I don't actually go? What if I get manipulated to stay? What if I sell out on what on myself in these interactions and don't follow through? And then now I'm living and married with someone who knows I wanted to leave. That, yeah. that sounds like the worst kind of scenario, right? For sure. Uh, and- yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish the thought. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you know me so far that I could probably just keep talking forever. So feel free <laughs> to interrupt me anytime. Um, but the end, I think the anticipation, like you were saying, um, in that fear of reaction, but then so many people, because they're afraid, not that they, they kind of resolute, you know, one, yeah. one of the things I heard a long time ago, um, was talking about um, the the three R's essentially when you start to keep score. So mm-hmm. first there's uh, retaliation, meaning um, you're going to start, you know, withholding certain things or not. To, then it gets to revenge, right? Mm-hmm. So now you want them to make, you want to make them feel the way that you make you feel. And then it gets to resentment. And yeah. kind of once you get to that resentment, there's, there's really no way out. And I know several people in that resentment stage, but when you say, well, then why isn't it time for you to move on? They're like, yeah, but I, you know, she might be crazy or she, he might, he might overreact. And I'm like, but you're going to be in the same spot anyway. So he overreacts now he overreacts already. So of course he's going to overreact. Like, you know, he is, but the difference is, is he gets to overreact by himself in his own house while you get to be away. But like, how, what have you seen? In, and I'm sure it's different for everybody, but some of those key breakthroughs in that moment. Yeah. Part of it is, is being able to see beyond that incident that you're afraid of. So yeah, there's the reaction or that conversation or, or, and sometimes it's not just that it's like, Oh, like actually having to deal with telling the kids or, um, or getting my own place. I have a client right now where she's like, oh my gosh. And now I'm looking to get my own place. She hasn't lived on her own in, um, like ever almost. Tell her, <laughs> right? tell her it's a ball, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's, you know, but right now, I mean, she's in the Airbnb and so having a taste of it, but she's not, she's feeling lonely. She's not used to being, she's not used yeah. to it. And there's so, you know, a lot. So, you know, one of the things that we're working on is, like really getting clear on who she really wants to be for herself and her life and what she wants to have her life be like. Cause we know, and she really gave it a freaking go. Like they both did over and over and over again. And it's just not working. And, um, and there just isn't love there anymore. Unfortunately, you know, like sometimes that's just the, the way things, the way things go. And, um, and so for her, the work she's doing, I can tell you right now, that's making a really big difference is rather than being caught in the weeds, because the weeds of the emotions of like what I'm dealing with, the fear I'm dealing with, maybe the, the discomfort of what I'm dealing with, all of that is the weeds. But if you can kind of be the, the bird over the swamp and see the horizon of what you want your life to look like. Like, I think we just forget, like, this is our one sweet life. Like, this is your life. This is it. And it sucks right now. But what is it that you really want? And we have to do hard things sometimes to get to, you know, a certain outcome or whatever it is, a certain milestone in our lives. And no one else, it is no one else's job, no one else's job to have you live the life that you want to live. And And I think that's the kind of self-talk we need to start having with ourselves to get us through some of these tough 
tough, sticky spots. Yeah, the, the greatest work is done on the edge of uncomfortable, right? I mean, that's that's where your best work and your your best opportunity to change. It's not comfortable. Well, it's yeah, because we're not in cruise control. We're not in cruise control when we're uncomfortable. We actually have to pay attention. We have to make decisions. We have to look, face our, de- you know, our, our shadows or our demons. Like there's, we are up on edge, awake in life when we are in our in our in our, our, our zone of discomfort, so to speak. So I think one of the most powerful chapters in your book that that, that I read through was uh, when you started to say, you know, you can't really change the other person. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that that's what so many people go, well, if he would just change this mm. or if he would just, and I really, I'm like, so what if he did? It's, it's, there's a deeper thing there than that one action or that one activity. Um, I have a, I have a friend right now that when, when they, they fight and she tells him something, then he's got like a checklist that he just runs. So it was like, he f- literally physically fixes the four things that she says, but that's not the underlying problem. Mm -hmm. So you came to that realization either through your training or kind of on your own or both. Talk to me about that transformation from, from your perspective of when you really started to go, you know what? I really have to be, I I have to love me first before I can really love anybody else. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with, from my own, from my own experience. And then we can talk about how it often plays out with other people as well. But for me, I would say, you know, where I discovered the Samoth is when I was in love, I was in love with an alcoholic, which I I know you can relate with. Um, And, uh, and we all, we were almost married and um, you know, having those, you know, those conversations, those plans, we lived together, we had a dog it was, you know, I had a really great at the time. My first career was actually as a school teacher. I was a grade eight school teacher. Oh. And, um, and it was like, here I was building my life here. I was totally in love with someone who was so in love with me. Like I was the bee's knees as far as he was concerned. But if only he just didn't have that drinking problem, you know, if only he didn't have this drinking problem, we like, we had our own like little fake band, like not for performing, but we would, you know, we had the whole thing. I would sing and play guitar. He would sing and play guitar. We would have like just so, so much fun and, and go raft. There were so many great things, but gosh, if only he didn't have this drinking problem. And, you know, someone very wise said to me, well, Michelle, he doesn't have a drinking problem. You have a problem with his drinking. Oh, wow. And that was like, <sighs> holy cow. Because I was like, he's, if only he would stop doing what's wrong as supposed, like, you know, like he has this problem that needs to be fixed. And when I got that, it actually, it stopped. It just, it changed the whole game for me. So I was like, I need to actually make a decision here. I'm, it's okay that I have a problem with his drinking. So I'm either going to accept the way he chooses to live his life, or I am not going to accept the way he chooses to live his life. He is a grown man and there are, and there are other people that would be more than happy to build a life with him. In fact, after me, he did find someone and they're married with children and seem very happy. I don't know. I'm not really in their lives, but, um, <laughs> but you know, on Facebook, but in your imagination, <laughs> sure. He's fantastic. <laughs> you know, but, but I had a problem with it. There were certain things that I had a problem with and, um, and, and that was really, that was actually really important with me making the choice to leave. Now, 
that being said, I was very open about it. I said, listen, you know, I have a problem with this. This isn't the life that I can choose. He gave it a go, quitting drinking, and it slowly came back. And, you know, you know, all the power to him for giving it a go. He really cared. He really tried. And it's just not what he's committed to the way I'm committed. He's committed to a different kind of life than what I'm committed to. And I think one of the things that happens a lot, I see this all the time when people are on their journey, whether they're in a relationship or looking for love, is there'll be these particular attributes that we're so delighted to finally see in another person who likes us that it overshadows, it blinds us from some really fundamental things that are required for you to have a healthy relationship. Kind so of like, all uh, these great things like him adoring me us having like lots of fun together us playing music together was like somehow it the way I write it's like it rationalized it, it compensated for the for something that at the end of the day I didn't want to raise a family with I didn't want to share a life with it wasn't my life it wasn't the life I wanted so the honeymoon period essentially was over right I mean that honeymoon period is so powerful where it's just mm -hmm. nobody can do anything wrong I don't know if you've read uh, Bruce Lipton in his his talking. He says it's two years. I I mm. I, I I I think it's until you have your first major fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to me, it's like six months to to two years. But it but but honestly, in the psyche, and I th I found it really fascinating. He's talking about, um, you know, early on, it's all lovey dovey and that kind of stuff, and it's the first time where life takes over. You know. He's working on the car and you come out and he doesn't give you that exact same response that you've been used to for now six yeah. months. So then you start getting into your head like, you know, is he mad at me? What's going on? Yeah. Right. And then it just filters out. And then the honeymoon period's over. And, well, and now here's, we have to start so good. dealing with the life. Here's yeah. what I call that. And I think this actually is part of what has us be afraid. After enough relationships fail, we start becoming afraid at this point too, which is I call it when we start treating each other like family. Oh, and yeah. Because if you really think like, what were you like in your house growing up? Probably a bit of a douche, right? Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> Man, did you live with me? No, I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was a brat. I was a bit of a bitch, you know, like yeah. there's not that, you know, there's other good things too, but the whole picture of who we are really does show up because we're not performing for anyone. We're not. And at some point in the relationship, we, we stop performing. We stop trying, we be that. Like that whole, I, I mean, and it, I'm not saying there isn't something to be responsible for there. And I'm not saying it's cool if we're all just assholes. So, oh, sorry. I, it, it's probably not. Hey, keep it rolling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you had douche, uh, bitch, and asshole. <laughs> I get excited. But like, the, the, so that, I mean, so I, I bring that up for two reasons. For one is it, it's, Often when relationships start falling apart, when we can't keep up that best version of myself act, right? Yeah. Which is great that we do. And should we, yes, should we tr be striving to be decent human beings with each other? Absolutely. Including with our families. Do we do that all the time? Absolutely not. Right. So, so at that point in a relationship, I think it becomes really challenging. And it is when we, when as, you know, as an individual or as a couple, we need to start deciding like what's really here. Can we have this work? Are we willing to have this work? And what does it take to have that work? Right. And then I bring that up also because it can be very fear fearful as we're going into this journey, looking at like, there's a, like, I, I'm not sure if it's, I think it is the same for men. I don't work with men as much as I do with women. I do think it's the same for men, but for sure for women, 
after I would say after up to into your thirties. So, so before I think twenties and younger, it's all just fun and games. Yeah. After that, we're actually looking at something real and lasting and like, and we value ourselves enough to not just want anyone into our lives. Right. So we start valuing life and our own experience a little bit more if we're single and looking for something new, if you're, if you're already in something, it gets a little more hairy, but, um, and I think part of what people are afraid of when, when looking to see, do I even, first of all, do I even want an, a, another relationship? Do I want to live with someone again? Do I want to deal with another human being's stuff when I can hardly handle my own, you know, or do I, do I want someone else to see my stuff? Ooh, cause I see how I am sometimes, right? Those are, we often don't realize how much that fear is in the way of a committed relationship. And I think it's something worth thinking about. For sure. We're going to take a break right here. Then we'll be right back with Michelle back. So you're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, our final segment before it's beer time over here, uh, ready to go. But uh, so, Michelle, you you said something that that, uh, I wanted to pick up on. Um, You were talking about acting or or, um, that we're we're not performing, we're not acting. One of the things that that I notice is when there is, you know, a fight, 
and things get better. Many times I see they're acting and I know it's not going to last because it isn't who they are. They're Mm. forcibly working. Like you can see the work that they're putting into it, but it's not part of their, their psyche or personality. How do you start to make some of those long lasting changes personally? Um, especially if there's something that really bothers you. And, and I'll give you a, an example. So early 20s, um, I didn't get into fights and that kind of stuff. I have a wick, uh, but a wicked wit. And I, was, I would just get really angry and I would just destroy people, right? It, 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 mm-hmm. and, it was, um, and that took a long time for me to overcome. It took me a long time for me to, to learn to count to 10 um, in, yeah. and even decide whether or not that was a hill I was going to die on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some of those tips to that long lasting change, yeah. whatever that may be? Yeah. So while counting to 10 is a really great, is a great strategy, like for in the moment, something like that, right. Stepping outside of the reaction and getting your kind of your head to match the feelings instead of the feelings driving the, driving it all. I, what I would say for lasting, like for long lasting, changes, what we really need to face is the paradigm we're living in, the way we actually view. We we all over time develop and sometimes it changes and there's some that are overshadowing, but we have these views, like views about me versus the world, for instance. Mm-hmm. So it might be like the world is like the world is unsafe is one that many people live in. And so often, just as an example, people who are angry on edge, kind of always skeptical, looking for like, like who's screwing me over? What are you really like that whole, you know, squinty eye way of looking at the world Um, or, or someone that gets like angry and has a short fuse, often their, their perception of the world on a very deep core level is that the world is a dangerous place. So we need to be on the offense all the time. And, um, and like, if I don't fight, then, then I'm at risk, like some sort of version of that. And when we can start getting to know, and and it's, so I'm not safe is it one example. Um, um, I can't win is another one. Um, uh, that's a great one. I can't, that's, that's mine. Mine is Mm -hmm. I can't win. No matter what I do, I can't win, you know? And if I'm in that, so when, so once we can start identifying these different, you know, I'm not good enough is, 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 you know, almost everyone has some version of I'm not good enough or I'm not lovable. Um, but when we can see how, like begin to bring that to consciousness, then we can start being responsible for it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't show up. But it means that when we can be consciously aware of it, then we're at choice. Then we can go, okay, do I want, so I have like, you know, so for me, if I'm in, I can't win. Like I've just gotten to know it so well. There's a certain feeling in my head. It's almost like I can't think straight. It's fuzzy in there. Like it's like a little bit, (laughs) Um, you know, I get, I get edgy, agitated. You you give me a suggestion. I'm going to shoot it down before even thinking about it. I'm going to tell you why it won't work. Like this, these kinds of, I'm, I'm very aware of when I'm in that space. And so the more you get to know it, the more you can recognize it. And then I can go, okay, well, I know I've seen it. I I have tracked where that brings me. And I know that doesn't bring me forward in the things that are important to me. So the other thing you always want to, you know, bring to the, to the consciousness 
is like, what is actually important to you in life? It's probably not this exact outcome or winning this exact argument or like there's something a little deeper that you're committed to. Like maybe it's love and connection as cheesy as that sounds, or maybe it's peace. Maybe it's just peace, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, because sometimes we get really angry because people are adding to our anxiety, for example, right? Making us feel anxious, right? That's that whole safe thing. And then we react with anger, which is funny because if what you really, if you're anxious, what you really want probably is peace, but that anger is for sure not giving you peace. So it's so it's sort of that, that analogy I gave you earlier of going from being in the weeds to being the bird hovering over the swamp when the more we become aware of our own human condition, our own paradigm, our own patterns, and what that's really about, the more we can look at them and go, okay, I get you. I hear you. But like, let's make sure that the next thing that comes out of my mouth is consistent with what I actually want, as opposed to this automatic response that's about to come out of me. Uh, my buddy, uh, I've got a great friend, uh, Daryl Rivers. He's actually a, a, a police de-escalation trainer. He said something yesterday. I've never heard anybody put it this way, but he said, uh, you need to interview that emotion to find out whether or not you want to give it a job in your world. And oh, I was just like, so good. Oh, I was like, yes. dude, uh, and it, it, yeah. it was just one of those. And, and he, he and I've been friends for years. I've never heard him say that. And I was like, yeah. that was gold. Yeah. But essentially, so how's that anger working out for you? you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Interview the job to see where it takes you, whether or not you want to give him a, a spot on your roster. It's so great. And you know, it's funny. So something similar I was in a conversation with someone yesterday, and it's a kind of a different spin on a similar message, but it's where, and actually, so what she, this was a post I had done and my post was, mm, I can't remember what it was now, but her response was, um, I'm realizing, oh, it was about boundaries. I was like, where are you struggling with boundaries? And she said, boundaries with my, with my job, actually, because I'm realizing that just because I'm excited about something doesn't mean I should do it. And, and yeah. so what I was saying to her was, oh, actually, so it sounds like also you're having a trouble with boundaries with your feelings because you don't want your feelings to be the boss of you. And then she goes, feelings aren't my boss. And she was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> feelings aren't my boss. Like, no, oh, yeah, you can be your boss instead of, you know, it doesn't mean ignore our feelings. It doesn't mean push them down. It doesn't mean be mad at them, but do they need to be the boss of your life or, you know, they're the one, you know, delegating all the actions probably not right so when you were talking about that the quote that that hit me was uh, a good carl young quote right so unless you make the unconscious conscious it'll rule your life and you will call it fate yes which i just uh I oh, just that's love good. that but um speaking of that agitation i i i feel it as well like i can feel the anger coming and i can feel but i yeah. i feel like i'm about to crawl out of my skin almost right yeah. like it's just like i've got to snap or got to react or whatever but uh, there's just there's a lot of decision making that's going on. A perfect example um, in, in something I was trying to teach my wife, but when my wife feels disrespected in, in any way or form, that's that that's the trigger. And so some lady ran into her with her shopping cart and then looked at her as if uh, my wife was the problem. Yeah. From Rain, that bothered her for like a week. And she kept asking me, what would you do? And I was like, are you ever going to see her again? She's yeah. like, probably not. I was like, then why are you giving this lady so much power? Like yeah. that, like you're literally been upset for a week over a random encounter of, of somebody that doesn't even matter to us. So even if she hates you, who cares, right? You don't even know her name. So with that being said, do, do you have a couple of those kind of tips that you, you, 
it, not only just the counting to 10, but you know, some things to help people yeah. recognize those feelings. Well, so, well, yeah. So to recognize the feelings, I do think getting to know what your body, what your thoughts and your body sensations are is very useful. Like you were saying, like when you're starting to get angry, you know what it starts feeling like in your body. So when we can get to know, and there'll be specific body sensations and there'll be specific repetitive thoughts that come into your, into your mind. It's very useful to know what that thought is, right? Sometimes it has swear words in it, but they're very, it's like the same little cluster of, of, of phrasings that our thoughts will say. So that's one, that's definitely one thing that can help you out. And then you can, again, you can then be a choice. Um, you know, the other thing I think to realize is when we're having, so something like that, like that example about your ex-wife, um, that's not actually about her, about that other woman. It's about, it's about something to do with something your, your ex-wife is grappling about around her relationship with either herself or with the world as a whole. And that, so now this person, it's kind of like dreams. You know, when we have a dream, if you have a dream about making out with your fish, it's not that you actually have a crush on your fish. It's like the fish represents something, making out represents something. By the way, your side comments have just been gold this whole episode, just so you know. Okay, great. I don't even think about making it with a fish, but now... Um, but you get what I'm saying? So life is really like that too, where we think we're so mad about something and it's that person, it's that partner, it's that, and, and yes, there are external factors. You know, that's not a blanket statement to say that it's never about the other person or the other thing, but when it's, when it's boiling inside of us, when it's, uh, or like taking a hold of us in a certain way, really the only thing to do is to look inwards. And, you know, much like you did, Rick, when you eventually decided to leave your relationship, you know, that was that would that must have come through you looking inwards. Right. And making a choice. Yeah, for yourself in it, your life, it actually right? started for me by serving others. I, mm-hmm. I, I went to an event and watched these people just serve relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, you know, I want to be like them. I, I, I want to figure that out. And I, and I just started volunteering and serving at the event. And through that, these, these incredible people came into my life that started to speak into me mm-hmm. and it challenged me to say, I'm not the person I, I know I can be, I guess yeah. was the right. Um, not even like, I'm not happy with my, I'm just not fulfilling the purpose I know I yeah. can be. Um, we're getting close to the, to the end here. So there are a couple of questions I want to ask before yeah. we wrap up here. First, um, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Oh, maybe. <laughs> So this was actually around a relation, like leaving a relationship, funny enough, that same one. And it was the same woman who had said, maybe alcohol is not your problem, or maybe you have the problem with his drinking. Another thing that this woman had said to me was, um, oh no, now it just, I just gapped, oh, Rick. Oh no, the pressure. What's the, what's the, um, I can't, I can't remember it right now. So I won't go with that one. You know, I don't know. I, I honestly think I've done, I've just had so many incredible people contribute to my life. And I think everything has been, um, you know, collective to me really taking responsibility for my life, whether I'm single in a relationship, a mom, all of these things, anytime I'm suffering, I mean, within reason, anytime I'm suffering, almost always what's missing is me being accountable for my life and and my experience of it. And we always have choices. We have choices 
inside of when we stay within something, we have choices to leave, like just actually embracing the amount of freedom we actually have and, and embracing, actually, I'd say the other really great piece of advice too is, I know we have to go, don't we? I could talk. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just talk with my hands as well. Is uh, oh. made me smile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think just, yeah, I think taking, taking full responsibility for a life and using the, the gifts that are around us. I mean, I, I, I always have at least two coaches. I love, I love hiring experts. I love reading books. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a self-help junkie, so to speak. Right. Yeah. But never, ever at the expense anymore of my accountability for my own life. And you, you just passed my coach test. Cause my number one question, if anybody ever tries to coach me, I ask them who their coach is. Oh yeah. And if they go, if I don't have one, then you don't believe in the process or don't That's recognize right. the power of the process. Um, and now how do people find you book you and buy your books? Yeah. So my book, so my book, Power Love Dating is on Amazon. So anywhere in the world, Amazon, that's where you'll find it. Um, I would say the best place uh, is particularly for women who are interested. It's actually called Empowered Women, the, a place for people who give a shit about being empowered. So if that's if that's any of your listeners, they should come find me in my Facebook group. Uh, but Facebook is honestly the best place to find me in general. And I have a, a YouTube channel as well. But yeah, Facebook and my Facebook group specifically is a great place for people to find me and and get it and you know get some real value of empowerment. Well, Michelle, we had a fantastic time with you. We'd love to have you back. I, yeah, I feel like sure. we just started scratching the surface. If you I know. And I, we can probably, I feel like it's stories, been five minutes, yeah. right? Know, yeah, we right? can talk. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time with you. And uh, so next week, we've got uh, Greg Spillane's going to be joining us. The week after that, we've got Doug Vermeerine, uh, who actually calls himself the modern day Napoleon Hill. So I'm, I'm, mm. with Think and Grow Rich being such a powerful influence in my life, I can't really wait to, to talk to him as well. So we've got some great guests coming up. Stay right here with us. We'll talk to you next Friday here on the Work-Life Balance and stay tuned to the Voice America Business Network for our next fantastic show. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.